Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the official Tennis.com podcast featuring professional coach and community leader, Kamal Murray. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. I'm your host, Kamal Murray. And this week, we have three very, very special guests. We've got Grand Slam finalists, Grand Slam semifinalists, Fed Cup champion Madison Keys. We've got Atlanta Svitolina, newlywed. We've got a gentle giant, Elise Mertens one of the quietest but fiercest players on tour. But before we get to them, let's talk about what just happened at Indian Wells. There's been so much speculation on what men's tennis will look like after Federer decides to retire, Nadal decides to retire, and if Novak retires, who will emerge? And we saw this past 10 days how wide open the game is when the big three are not present. We've seen the emergence of Killer Cam, which I bet no one predicted would end up winning his first Masters 1000 at this year's Indian Wells. On the women's side, we've seen Vika return to a space that she is very familiar with, the finals of Indian Wells, which she's been to a number of times. But we yet saw another veteran have a tough time with an up-and-coming, young, fearless player named Paula Badosa. This is the next wave of young tennis players bringing the power, bringing this, a new style to the game and a fearlessness to the game that is making every week on the women's tour very unpredictable. And let's introduce our first guest. One of the nicest people on tour, a very vocal leader on the women's tour, one of the biggest serves and forehand combinations I've seen in my time. She's a Grand Slam semifinalist a Grand Slam finalist, a Fed Cup champion, a fellow coffee lover, Madison Keys. Take a listen. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. We are here with one of the best American players, one of the most popular American players, uh, the kindest American, <laughs> <laughs> American player. Madison Keys, Maddie, welcome to the show. Thank you. So we were just talking crap because I know you would like, you know, come to Chicago, eat Uber Eats every night, veg out in your hotel room, like, yeah, I had to eat Uber Eats every night. Well, I mean, I couldn't get a reservation because apparently I was like the only person at the tournament who didn't get the <laughs> recommendations from you, also along with Oh, I know everything's booked up, but I can I can hook you up and get a reservation. So I was just out here grinding by myself. And now hopefully we've gotten past that. Well, you know you are like a Grand Slam quarter finalist, semifinalist, and finalist. And you probably could say, hey, it's Madison Keys. Can I get a reservation for three? And they probably would try to make it work. <laughs> How often do you like do the whole... I'm me thing. Literally never in my life. <laughs> never in my whole life, and I will never do it. No chance. Not even once. Like, I really want this bag, and I got a name drop so I can get on the list. Literally never. You got to do it. Never. 
It would be, I would feel so uncomfortable. <laughs> so uncomfortable. I could see that. So humility is like a gift of yours. You've got the whole kindness wins uh, initiative. And I think it's like so relevant now with all the uh, mental health issues and you know people being able to get at players. Before it became a thing, you were like so vocal about, hey, here's what we deal with. Here's what people say to me when I win a match. That's like, I lost the match, not you. Uh, tell me about the Kindness Wins initiative. Well, it, um, it was just really important to me because I felt like we were kind of getting bombarded by a ton of negative news just all of the time. And like you said, being a tennis player, I mean, even when you win some matches and you beat someone that they didn't want you to beat, you have hundreds of messages when you come off the court about how they just absolutely hate your guts. Um, and I just really felt like I wanted to do something to kind of just shine more of a light on all of the good things that happen just daily, even if they're small and you don't really think much of them because I can't tell you how many people told me just the smallest little thing or seeing something that, you know, we were highlighting just made their day or inspired them to go out of their way and do something kind for someone else. And I think it just, when you shine a light on it and you highlight it, it inspires people to be kinder to other people, kinder to themselves. And it just kind of helps just make everything a little bit better. So that humility, like if I had to like pick one word to describe you, it would be humble. You're like the ponytail on top of the head, baggy sweats, shoes untied, kind of like a down-home girl from Rock Island. A lot of people don't know that you're actually from Illinois. Tell me about Rock Island. Well, I've been there one time, thanks for the invite, and thanks for the <laughs> dope hotel room. Uh, but tell us about Rock Island. Rock Island. I always try to explain because no one ever knows where I'm actually from. <laughs> I always say, if you're in Chicago, get on 80 West, and the very last exit before you hit Iowa is where I am from. <laughs> um, it's, I mean, it's a very small area where I grew up from. Tennis was obviously not a big sport going on there, um, but it's just a really Midwest town, and that's where I grew up for the first 10 years of my life. and. Um, I loved it. It was great. I think it just, it really instilled a lot of just super Midwest values that I really love. And I think it's actually gotten me pretty far in life just because growing up, everyone was very nice to each other. Strangers on the street, everyone smiled, said hello. But then you also, everyone kind of knew everyone. So you just got a really great sense of community. And um, I'm just really proud to be from there. And I was just talking to your mother, and that sort of exudes, uh, or she just illustrates sort of where you get it from. She's like, oh, yeah, I'm here. I'm going to stay for a couple of days. I got to go back to work. I mean, when you think about one of the best tennis players in the world, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to come in for a little bit, and then I got to go back and, you know, make a living kind of thing. Like, that sort of humility is, like, all throughout your whole family sphere. Um, when I came to Rock Island, I didn't know like John Deere had like a factory there. And I was like, yes. oh, we're really in the country. Yes. But I had a chance to meet a bunch of people and they were like, oh, it was like so nice. And you are definitely a local celebrity. <laughs> and that's right, the most popular athletes ever come from Rock Island. So when you left at 10, where'd you go? I went to Boca Raton yeah. and I spent 
the next eight years of my life there. Um, I was at Everett Tennis Academy for, I think, close to six years. Um, we actually knew of Everett Tennis Academy because when I was, the summer that I was nine and the summer I was 10 before we moved, I did summer camp there and loved it. And I think I announced to my parents at one point that I was gonna be a professional tennis player. <laughs> I'm pretty sure at 10, I just was like, yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. Yeah. Don't know how to do it. Have no other plans, just that's it. Um, and John and Chrissy were basically saying, I mean, if she wants to do this, then she actually has to commit to it. and. Practice. Practice more than three times a week at our local club. Um, so we moved to Florida and I started training there and then was at um, USTA shortly after that and spent a lot of time on the tennis courts from 10 on. <laughs> <laughs> you made a good life out of it. So you're, if, although you're only 26, you're 27 this year, right? Next year. Next year. So you are a veteran on the tour. Yes. Obviously had the try, had the opportunity to travel to almost every tournament. So first one is favorite tournament that's not a slam. Favorite tournament that's not a slam is probably Charleston. That's good one. I love Charleston. <laughs> great food. Great food, great people. It's, you know, a big tournament, but feels small. Just absolutely wonderful environment. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. And then... When you think about most players, like when I look at your game, you obviously have prototypical game for hard courts and grass. I mean, grass even more than that. Um, but your results, you've had great results on all of them. Of the four slams, which one is your favorite? Just in terms of, I mean, from a coach, we look at it different. We look at, okay, which environment can I control? It makes simple and like get good practice courts and like make sure there's no distractions. But for players, it's totally different. You know, y'all want to shop, y'all want to eat, y'all want to do all. <laughs> Which of those is like number one on your list? I feel like it's hard to say that the, the U.S. Open's not your favorite as an American, just because the atmosphere that you get from being an American playing at the U.S. Open is unlike anything in the world. And walking out onto Ash Stadium and having the crowd completely behind you. Especially, I've played some of the latest matches ever there, and to have the absolute diehard fans that stay until two in the morning and come fill up that whole bottom section of Ash, it's just, there's truly nothing in the world that feels like that. I remember the first time I walked on Ash, I had to actually warm up Sloan. <laughs> and you know, I got my old classic Arthur Ashford hand with my kind of grill. And I was so tight. Mm -hmm. I was like, and there was no one there. But you know, the people in the ESPN, but with everybody kind of like, you know, like setting up for the thing. And I could not make a ball in the court. Do you get intimidated by the size of that stadium? I think the first time I walked out on it, I just thought, this is really big. <laughs> like, very, very big. <laughs> And I think the one time I was somewhat intimidated just walking out there was 
I played Serena in the, I think it was the fourth round, Labor Day weekend, and it was completely sold out. <laughs> and it was the year that she was playing for the Calendar Slam. Oof. That was a lot. <laughs> um, You're like, do I really want to spoil this? Yeah. <laughs> well, I did not spoil it. <laughs> um, but it was, it was very quickly intimidating. And then from then on, I just actually really, really enjoyed every minute of it. And then, funny enough, once the roof came on it, my weird brain was like, oh, now it feels intimate. It feels <laughs> small now. <laughs> With 20,000 of your closest friends. Yeah, just the world's biggest tennis center ever. And you throw a roof on it, and I'm like, oh, now it feels small. <laughs> so you're somebody that has been able to stay within the top 20 for, I mean, like a long period of time, right? So people sort of know where you are in the draw. But there's other girls that like pop in and out of the top 32, should be seated, don't end up being seated. And you're like, please let me play this girl. Who is a person? that um, before the draw comes out, you're like, this person's not seated, they should be seated. Please don't let me play them. Or just game style just sort of drives you crazy. Not even that you never beat them, but it's just like, ugh, I don't feel like it. I feel like one who recently just did this, and that's probably why she's the first person that popped in my head, <laughs> is Camilla Georgie. Because if you catch Camilla Georgie on her good day, it's it's raps like <laughs> you're out there fighting for your life <laughs> because when she when she plays her best tennis she's so good and I mean she just won Montreal completely unseated hit people off the court just bang bang uh, exactly so I feel like she's probably the most recent person that I would think I don't really want you first round <laughs> I don't know which you is gonna show up I don't, and I don't want the good you um, so now I got a hard one. Best player playing now outside of the top 100. Outside of the top 100? Uh, I don't even know. Um, I mean, is Venus still in the top 100? She's not? Okay, then Venus Williams. <laughs> if you see Venus Williams is not ranked in the top 100, you very quickly remember all of the Grand Slams that she's won. And it's like... Yeah, that ranking, that doesn't matter. Right. That, that backhand line, which she's made a couple hundred million dollars off of, just stay away from that one right yes, there. Yes, absolutely. Even at 40, she's going to steal back. Yes. So you've been, you know, all to the deep in all the slams and been an Olympian. Tell me about the difference. You know, we always talk about, I always ask players, would you take a grand slam or would you take a gold medal? I know your answer. You don't have to say it. So tell me about the Olympic experience, though, representing your country. The, my Olympic experience was one of the best slash heartbreaking <laughs> experiences <laughs> of my life. Um, I got fourth place at the Olympics. Not bad. Which is great. But if you didn't know, after um, a bronze medal, you get a certificate. <laughs> Back to the girls' 12s. <laughs> and that was brutal being with um, teammates who were like, oh, here's your gold medal, here's your <laughs> silver medal, here's your bronze medal. Madison, here's your piece of paper <laughs> that says good try. <laughs> um, it was, I mean, it was truly amazing. And it was, I mean, walking out during opening ceremonies was 
one of the highlights of my entire life. And it took me a very long time to be able to look at my certificate. <laughs> now it's currently hanging up on the wall. Did you put a pin in it or did you actually get it framed? Was, was it a thumbtack on your drywall? I did it get it framed. Okay. I still haven't been able to open my um, podium outfit just because I had to bring it on the final day. <laughs> and I haven't opened it since then. Um, not that I like hang on to anything or like that. I move on really easily. But um, yeah, it's, I mean, it was truly nothing has ever felt like that, but also getting fourth place was just absolutely gut-wrenching. <laughs> so last question and I'll let you go. You are, you and I share a passion for coffee. Like that's, I always, always get talked about, like, well, that's your 10th cup of coffee and I'm not paying for it, you know what I mean? <laughs> so tell me your favorite cup of coffee. How do you make it? How do you like it? I, oh man, that's a hard question because it definitely, it just depends I'd on the you. mood. I knew I'd fuck you up with that one. I knew it. It depends on the mood. Like, do I want to make a Chemex, just black coffee? What is that? You haven't had Chemex? No. It's a pour over. <laughs> oh yeah, I got my scale. I weigh out my grinds. I weigh out the water. <laughs> I do everything. I have that. I have a Hario pour over, which is like the smaller one. I have an espresso machine at home. I have a mocha pot at home. I have a French press at home. It's truly every morning, like I'm laying in bed thinking, what kind of coffee am I gonna make this morning? <laughs> well, I got some good old Dunkin' Donuts down the street from you, right here. I've, I have found, uh, where did I go this morning? Fairgrounds, I think. Mm -hmm. Very delicious, would recommend it. Mm -hmm. It was great. Um, did you see Sloan is now into coffee, but her version of coffee is a frappuccino from Starbucks. That is not coffee. That is like a $5 milkshake. She was very excited and proud in Madrid because she said, look, Maddie, I drink coffee like you now. <laughs> and I said, we'll work our way into like having a black cup of coffee. Oh, no chance. Maybe in like five years. <laughs> but yeah, um... I don't know. I guess probably, I really like a honey cinnamon latte. Fancy. Very. Well, this has been the Tennis.com podcast. We have had Madison Keys on here, and I think we've shed a light on some of her, like, most intimate secrets about preferences and player preferences or player non-preferences, coffee, et cetera. Thank you for joining us, and good luck the rest of the year. Thank you. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Our next guest is Elena Spitalini. She is the definition of consistency on the women's tour. Every year you look up and she's got two or three titles consistently in the semis, always in the top 10. Her ranking, her points are never ever dependent on one big result and a lot of pressure having to defend the result from last year. She is always on the road, always playing. She's a newlywed and a veteran on this tour and one that when you have to play her the night before, you are not sleeping. No holes in her game, no clear cut 
places to go when you're playing her. You just gotta be ready to fight. One of the fittest players on tour, one of the most professional players on the women's tour, Elena Svitolina. Take a listen. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. We are here with the 2021 Chicago Open champion, Elena Svitolina. She's also newly married to one of my favorite people in the world, Gael Monfils, and probably the most consistent player on the tour in terms of results and presence and showing up and just being who she is all the time with the fans and the media. So Elena Svitolina, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you for having me. So I gotta ask, cause I've had the opportunity to coach against you. Everyone says, so how do you beat Svitolina? I was like, uh, well, she kind of does everything well. It's like not one thing is better than the other, but like everything's good. So just make sure you get a lot of sleep, have a good breakfast, and try hard. What would you say are like your keys to success or, you know, your best strengths? Thank you very much for all the <laughs> nice, for the nice compliments. Um, Actually, I've been working really hard. It's always been my goal to be consistent. And um, when I was growing up, um, actually, maybe it started from my parents when they really wanted me to, to win all the levels of the tournaments, like from 10,000 to 25, 50, 7,500. And um, that's like built some kind of confidence in, in me uh, after each win that, that, I, that I got. And, um, that really teach me that um, you know this always have to be my goal to strive to to be um, to be consistent and to yeah just to be better each day and bring your best uh, each time I step on the court even when the the day is not yours you have to do your best and just um, do 100% on that day. You know, one of the things that I notice, and like, you know, coaches look for different things, but when I look around the locker room and I look around, the, not the locker room, because I'm not in the locker room, <laughs> when I look around the, <laughs> look around the gym, yeah. your routine is the same. Even if you lost the match, you're still stretching, you're still doing your cool down, you're still doing other things. Before the match, you're still going through your routine. Do you think that that professionalism has helped you have such consistent results? And you're also somebody that's not really ever injured, right? You look at people that like, miss six months on tour because of injuries. And I look at you, I'm like, that's professional. And like, that's why she's always top eight in the world, right? No matter if she wins a tournament this year or not, she's going to be eight in the world or better. It's, uh, it takes time to, um, to realize what works for you, what doesn't. And um, I would say maybe I, would, I, I, I was lucky um, at the beginning of my career. Uh, I. Uh, learned a lot uh, about uh, how to manage uh, my body and what works, what doesn't. I think it's very important uh, from the young age, try to pay attention, try to analyze. Um, and um, also it's been coming from my parents, my brother who, who was professional tennis player as well. And he teach me that from the young age and uh, made me realize that I all the time have to, to find ways to, to improve, to find ways to to get better and it's always been and it is always my goal to um, to keep it simple not to overcomplicate things but all it all the time see what what works uh, for me and uh, just go from there so you've been a semis of two slams quarters of every slam 
now a bronze medalist. What's on your bucket list? I mean, as you look at that career and it's like, she's had a great career, made a lot of money, you know, fan favorite, um, you know, been in the last eight, which is a big deal of every, you know, sort of tournament. What's left for you to achieve? The one thing is like, oh, I really want to do this. Well, for sure, Grand Slam and uh, world number one. Um, but um, I've been <laughs> on tour for quite a bit now um, and been uh, top 10 for years now. So uh, for sure, when I just got into top 10, this was my main goal. I was really uh, getting uh, really pumped, really nervous, I would say, anxious about when I was playing Grand Slam. And that maybe didn't help me at that moment because I was over ex overexcited and um, didn't help me then. And then over the years I learned how to, you know, just to um, be happy and uh, uh, really appreciate what you achieved. But still, every time I step on the court, work uh, extremely hard and do your best. But still, you know, you are uh, appreciating the, the moment and what you achieved in the past. And even if it's a bad day and you're not winning today, try to not erase what you achieved in the past. So I think this is what builds the, the confidence and uh, that's what helps you to, to come back from the low moments. So this year is a big year for you. You just got married. We all saw the pictures. <laughs> um, you talked about knowing what works for you at this time. Tell us how you incorporate being married to a tennis player. How do you think that's helped you? You know, sometimes it's like having a, a, a significant other that's not a player creates like a tug of war between time on the road and wanting to be home. But you got the pleasure of having them be at, you know, most of the mandatories and the slams at least. So, mm -hmm. you know, does that, do you think that that's worked for you in terms of like making it easier to stay on the road longer, last longer in tournaments? And then what's you all's routine like? Is it like, Hey, once I make it to the quarters, you got to get lost. <laughs> or, or if I got if I play first, you got to go somewhere else, right? What's, how's that like? Well, I am a family person, so for me, uh, it was quite tough when I uh, when I had a boyfriend who was waiting for me at home, or he couldn't travel. Uh, it was quite tough for me. So actually, meeting a girl, uh, it was uh, uh, it was. A great match <laughs> for me and for him as well because he had kind of same situation and um, you know we don't have a specific routine we just try to to keep it um, simple and not uh, uh, not uh, over complicate things uh, when he's playing uh, first on but normally he's not <laughs> he was playing first match on and he's playing last oh. <laughs> night sessions <laughs> but um, yeah just um, we help each other a lot, and when we train together, uh, also helped me helped me a lot in my tennis, and I think for him as well because he uh, he started to you know to hit more balls, and we do a lot of drills where he where I get more advantages in the in the court, and um, we just enjoy our time uh, on the court of the court. You know, there is never a rush to to get back home, so uh, for sure, you know. Um, it's uh, amazing for us to um, to have this opportunity when we are both at the highest level of our sports and um, just sharing this uh, journey together. So your 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 ground strokes, because girls just I always say girls have better ground strokes than men. So your ground strokes will help him develop some shot tolerance and stay in the rally, and then his serve will help you be what your returns. 
Yeah, that, that's for sure. But uh, I think his his backhand really improved. <laughs> he all the time because uh, of you. complements my my backhands <laughs> because we do a lot of cross court drills with yeah. the backhand. And uh, he all the time says that he, his dream is to, to have the backhand like me. <laughs> but uh, my dream is to have his forehands with all the spin that he puts on the ball. That's, uh, that's definitely a dream. I've noticed. He used to do three backhands in a row, then the fourth one was a drop shot or a chip. Now he's like staying in there. I'm like, all right. Consistency. Consistency. <laughs> now he's staying in there. So what's next for you? You look at uh, your career, now married. You know, what, how long do you think you're going to play? Uh, how long is he going to play? He has other hobbies. I've had the privilege of hanging out with him. So is he still allowed to go out? I mean, every time I go to Paris, I rely on him to, like, take me out to the club, go to Miami, you know, go out. Now is it like, nope, you can't go out anymore? Well, to be fair, you know, uh, we met with him in Paris yep. uh, at the bar. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> he invited right. me uh, to go like for dancing. And I was surprised when the first time I really uh, get to know him that he's not drinking, he's uh, uh, not doing anything bad. He's just there for dancing. And that was like, I was like, uh, so what do we do? <laughs> and, uh, now, can you dance? <laughs> I can, but it not actually like improved. <laughs> But um, yeah, he's, um, um, he's just enjoying himself right now. And uh, me too, you know, we'll see where time uh, takes us. And um, for now, we're just uh, training. We are uh, enjoying ourselves for the tournaments and trying to do our best, trying to, uh, to, uh, to achieve our goals. His goal is definitely to, to come back to top 10. And he's working really hard uh, with his team. And me, uh, for sure, it's, um, it's a grand slam. I'm working every day and uh, trying to do my best, uh, whatever I can. Very cool. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. Um, you are like one of the toughest people on tour, the hardest to scout, um, the most consistent. Everyone like loses their sleep at night, you know, trying to like get ready for you. <laughs> Who's the one player on tour that you sort of have nightmares about? Not that you lose to them all the time, but it's just like, oh man, this is going to be an annoying match. Uh, we had some big battles with uh, Simona Halep. Um, I don't think I lose the slip, uh, but uh, they've been a couple. Uh, I think also with Caroline Wozniacki, uh, one of the toughest match I ever played, I think, in my career. It was against her in the WTA finals, where I had to win one set, and uh, I was set down, break down. This was quite uh, quite tough uh, battle for me. and. All the time we played uh, together was um, really um, huge battles. So um, yeah, I don't think I lose sleep <laughs> over some players, but you know there is. Um, it takes a lot out of my body with uh, some physical players. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on. Good luck the rest of the year. Good luck in the, your new chapter. I'm like eight years into marriage, so I can if you need some advice. I got you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thank you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our next guest, Elise Martins. The definition of deception. One of the nicest players on tour. Very soft-spoken. Always polite. But when you step on the court, not very verbal, but always physically fierce. Um, she's a, been around a 16 of every Grand Slam. She's a Grand Slam doubles champion. She's our 2021 Indian Wells doubles champion. Just qualified for the year in championships and doubles. She's a player that is always in the top 25. You can look up the list and her name is always there. She's a player that a lot of people fear, quite frankly. One of the best backhand lines on the tour, I must say. Take a listen. This is a rare opportunity to get to know a gentle giant on the women's tour, Elise Mertens. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. We are here with one of the nicest, but quietest and trickiest players on tour. Most deceptive, unassuming, <laughs> but sneaks always into the fourth round of every slam. Elise Mertens, welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> so I was like talking before the cameras came on. I was like, in all of my years knowing you, this is the first time I've heard your voice. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've seen each other for years already, so <laughs> I'm kind of surprised. I've never even heard it come on. You know what I mean? Like I walk in the hallway and you go <laughs> with, with, <laughs> with no voice, just the eyes and the wink. And then on yeah. the court, I see the fist, but I don't see any, any, uh, any voice. I don't know, come on, you know, that kind of girl, come on. Uh, where do you get that demeanor from? Is that? Is I that... mean, I've always been a more introvert person. Uh, of course, with tennis, you kind of have to, you know, learn your way through it. But um, yeah, it's just the way I am. I think I just I love to play tennis, but I try to stay in my bubble, to try to stay focused, because that's of course very important. Yeah, because you got, you know, you got Elise Mertens, and then you got like Vika, where you hear the <laughs> voice and the, and the grunt and everything. Yeah. So, you know the the fire must be inside because to play this sport at the level that you've played it, you've won three Grand Slams in mixed dubs, right? Um, you gotta have like a fire and a competitiveness that's just burning. It can't be this, oh, I'm so nice and I'm so sweet and I never <laughs> swear, right? <laughs> no, I mean, I'm definitely another person on courts. I really, you know, wanna win, but also try to look at the, the bigger process because, you know, we can play every week and I think I'm almost playing every week too. I'll be, I'll be the one playing almost every tournament, but I just have a passion for the sport. I just love it. Um, I can never get enough of it because you can improve every day. You can see your mistakes and you can learn from them. You can also improve them. So that's the way I look at it. So is that your key? Cause I always, you know, some players have like a good year, bad year, a little bit of slump. They change coaches, they do all that. You don't really do any of that stuff. You're just kind of always on the road, always on tour always top 20. What's your recipe? <laughs> always, I don't know. Oh no, you're always to. like, you know, 17, 18, 19, maybe 22 for one week, then you win a tournament yeah. and get back 19. Well, top 20 is kind of the, you know, I don't know, once you've been there, you, you, you got the taste and you really want to stay there, of course, <laughs> but I think like, like every other player wants to be at the top. Um, so yeah, I don't know, I just, I just like to play, I like to win, but everybody likes to win, but I think it's just the improvement I like to do every week. So where did you learn to play? So I know you're from Belgium, and obviously Kim was like a big, yes. you know, sort of Belgium success. 
um, in there, and I'm sure like a lot of girls back in that country uh, were inspired by her success. Who, what got you started? Was it a parent? Was it Kim? It was my sister, actually. Really? Uh, she's six years older, so my dad was always working, and uh, my sister played tennis. Um, and my mom, of course, always had to, you know, bring us to the courts and everything. So she's like, if my sister plays an hour, you can play an hour too. And at first, I really I didn't want to play because I'm a really sore loser. Uh, now it's become a lot better, but I was a really <laughs> sore loser before. And, uh, you know, I really I didn't want to go on court. But once I was on the court, I didn't want to leave. So I, I think it just grew. And I actually never did anything else. When I was like three to four years old, I already started. And I never stopped. <laughs> so did your sister ask for like a commission? Because, you know, like Andy <laughs> Roddick, you know, some of these pros who She's are like, like yeah, Grand Slam. I know, uh -huh. right? Like Venus and Serena, like the younger player sort of benefits from the older player being <laughs> yeah. the guinea pig, and you just end up on the corner of the court and trying to <laughs> beg for some court time, and you end up being so much better. Does she ever say, hey, you know what, you owe it all to me? Well, um, we actually, when we kind of hit together, practice together, uh, we, we couldn't, just five minutes, and I would throw my racket, or she would be like, she would be the one like, okay, let's go, I'll, I'll let you win. But I was like, no, I want to win, you know? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Like, uh, yeah, like a really sore loser, but um, she stopped playing tennis. She's an airline pilot now. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we both travel the world. <laughs> I've never seen her in a tournament. Or maybe I've seen her and she's quiet like you and I didn't notice her. Has she come to tournaments? Uh, no, she hasn't come to tournaments yet. Only the ones um, like Sertogen Boss or, or the ones a little bit uh, closer to, to Belgium. She lives in the Netherlands. So, um, but yeah, it would be nice to actually have her on tour with me sometime. <laughs> Now, can she still hit with you? Is it like, you know... No, she doesn't really play anymore. Because my players, you know, I try to warm them up. They're like, oh, no, you suck. Your forehand's too flat. <laughs> you got that Arthur Ashe kind of continental grip. I can't, I don't want to hit with you. Oh, no. So, so is, is, is that her? Uh, no, no, definitely not. She, she, is, she has another personality. Um, a little bit more, you know, all over the place. Uh, I'm a little bit more like in the box. But, um, <laughs> I mean, we, yeah, we feel each other. So a lot of people don't know you because you're sort of, you know, one of the, the biggest things that sort of disappoints me about tennis is that like at a Grand Slam, you only get to hear two people speak, right? The champion and the finalist. But all the people who made the tournament exciting along the way, the semifinalists, the quarters, you don't really get to hear from. So I have like some questions. Good. So that the fans can get to know you better. So you can feel free to, you know. Yeah. You can, and if you want to skip them, you can skip them. <laughs> so, but they're so bad. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so, favorite Grand Slam? Oh, difficult. I mean, I played, I think, where you go to furthest. I mean, that's, that's definitely right. like the favorite one. So, I mean, I always like to go to Australia because uh, I do preseason in Belgium. And it's kind of like snowy, uh, rainy. So to go to Australia is always like, um, yeah, like a, like a dream um, to, to play there and everybody's so nice. So I would say Australian Open at the beginning of the year. All right, Gatorade or Powerade? I don't drink both, actually. <laughs> you drink the powder. You got your own little special powder. No, you I got my own brand, so um, let's see. Maybe Powerade, I would say then. Or it could be neither. Neither then. Neither. <laughs> <laughs> Roof open or closed? Uh, open. Yeah, I'm definitely a player who likes to play outside. Um, I love trees, I love green, I love the sky, the sun, the wind. So I think it's, you know, nature really inspires me. All right. Hotel or Airbnb? Airbnb. 
<laughs> definitely. Um, I think as a tennis player, you're in hotels like most of the year. So I like to have a kitchen, um, you know, that you can cook yourself. I mostly do it in, in Grand Slams or tournaments, um, bigger tournaments, just to have that more like a home feeling. You cook? I cook sometimes, yeah. Oh, huh? sometimes? It's not that difficult. Is it edible? <laughs> Is it like it you know, is. a team dinner where people like come and like nibble just Nobody to be polite? Nobody died yet, so it's no. fine. <laughs> okay, so then my question was, eat solo or team dinner? Um, I would eat with my team. Okay. Yeah, definitely with my team. I never really eat alone because I think you're here with your team. They travel with you. Of course, they sacrifice some things. Um, so I think it's very common just to, to eat with your team. So on the airplane, Sit together or separate? Together. So nice. <laughs> I mean, geez, at least. How do you you're like, a team. <laughs> how do you kick so much butt? I mean, you're like too nice. No, I mean, I like to sit at a window, so everybody has to stay somewhere else. But um, no, together is fine. I mean, of course, you need some personal space sometimes, but it's okay. So here's a tricky one. Hawkeye or real bounce? Um... I would say, I mean, I'm more used to Hawkeye, so I would say Hawkeye at the moment. Um, but real bonds, I mean, they're both so good. So, <laughs> yeah, it's difficult to choose. So, I think you're one of the players that people, you know, know that any day you can, like, clean their clock and tear them up. Who's the one player that, I mean, sort of gives you a hard time? When the draw is being made, you're like, please don't let me play this person. Oh, let's see. Um, I would be a player with a lot of experience, I think, just to, you know, find a solution to everything you do. Um, I think Irina Sabalenka at the moment, I lost her the last couple times. I mean, she's improving a lot. So, yeah, definitely difficult to play her. So, favorite tournament that's not a Grand Slam? Well, you know, because... I won my first WTA there, so I would say Hobart. Uh, it's a very special place for me. Every time I go back, um, people are so nice. Um, just the courts, the, the venue, everybody is, is, yeah, I mean, it's very well organized. It improved since, since some years, so I would like to go back. That's the one room I've never been to, is Hobart. Oh, really? We always play, was that Sydney? What's opposite that yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, Brisbane. Sydney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, I've never been to Hobart. Yeah, it's Tasmania. a nice place. Um, so what are your goals? You've obviously been three-time mixed doubles Grand Slam champion. Well, I would say doubles just. Right? Not mixed doubles, but doubles. Oh, doubles <laughs> champion. Um, <laughs> and fourth round of every slam. If you could choose one slam, which one would be the one that you win? Uh, I have my better results in the hard courts. Um, I made two times quarterfinal at the US Open, so I would like to go further on that one um, but you know everybody likes to win a slam and only one player can do it at that time so it, it's very difficult but um, I would say US Open but you know I, I would like to improve myself first just like physically uh, mentally very to, to be just very strong and to, to give myself some time to improve and not to be too critical of myself or too negative. Um, I would like to, you know, read a little more and, and just play my game. So how do you deal with that? Because we see um, a lot of, you know, we see people sort of have a bad loss and then take a break from tennis, right? Or mm -hmm. 
you know, get on like a losing streak. How do you, you're, you're able to stay so steady during the year, which is why you're like always top 20, no matter what, right? How do you, how are you able to bounce back week after week? Cause you play a lot, like you mentioned. Yeah, so it's yeah. not like, you know, I'm gonna play one tournament, take off for a month, go play another one, I'll be again. But next week you're showing up and you're doing all over again. How do you reset after a? I would say, um I had a really difficult time before uh, when I was a little bit younger, um, but you know, you kind of grow into it. You kind of have like a little bit more experience that really helps, but also just like you can play every week and every week is different. The circumstances are different, so you play differently. And I think it also depends on the opponent, of course. Um, but I just see it more like week by week and not really like, okay, let's do three tournaments in a row, oh, the first one's not good, the second one's not good, so the third one will be not good either. No, I just look at it more like weak um, and then see what can I improve, look at your matches, look at, you know, players who, who play well. So that's what I try to do, just to reset, refocus, take a day off and then start again. So when you think about, like, I think about your generation and you all are faced with a lot of challenges that previous generations have not. You know, there was no social media back in, Kim's first, her first stint. Um, and, you know, we've seen people now have to take breaks and, you know, not like the media and the press, but even though that's what makes our sport great and helps with the sponsors and the endorsements and stuff like that. Um, how do you cope with that? You know, you're, you're someone that seems like never get too emotional about that. Uh, your quiet nature can sometimes be deceiving. Do you struggle with that? No, definitely not. No? Um, I think everybody can have their own opinion and it's your choice what to do with it if, if you let it touch you or, or not. Um, but you know, these comments are definitely coming and in the future, in the past, and you just have to deal with it. Um, because of course, I'm a different personality than some other players. So some other players, you know, have some difficulties with that. But for me, it's just everybody can have their opinion. And it's for me to read those comments or to not. And I like to remind uh, the positives, the positive comments, uh, the positive people, and, and yeah, just move on to the next one. So one of the new things is like mental coaches, right? Back in the day, it was like on the coach. The coach was the hitter, the physio, the <laughs> <Everything>. trainer. <laughs> you know, you got to be the dad. You got to, you could be the counselor, the agent, everything now. So do you work with uh, a mental coach? And the only reason why I ask that is that you're one of the most stable, consistent players, which, which is rare onto it. There's only a few people, I would say you and like Svitolina, who are just always right there. Thank you. So do you work with a mental coach or is this something that just Rob does? No, no, I do. I try to, you know, get in touch with her, um, you know, not every day. Um, but yeah, I do have a mental coach. I think it's very important. Um, I started maybe, maybe three years ago. But, um, you know, as we have a long season, I think it's very important to you know, be, be a little bit more stable or try to be. I mean, it's not always easy, but try to be a little bit more stable. Um, and, you know, yeah, try to peek at the important tournaments. Thank you for joining us on the Tennis.com podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Always enjoy watching you play. I'm so sad that it had to be like six years and now I first get yeah. to hear your voice. <laughs> when, when you do that fist pump now, now you got to give the fans a come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on. There it is. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Good luck. Thank you.